I'm Priya Volchi. I'm Winona Guo. We're the co-founders of Choose and co-authors of Tell Me Who You Are. And this is Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. Yeah. Finally, the most made- like needed week off I've ever had in my career. It feels like um, this break every year when it comes around is like needed, but this year it's like super needed. Yeah. Even I, though we you, can't go anywhere, even though I you know. can't see family. <laughs> I can't decide if that makes it better or worse. Like, you know, because you know how it is. Like, you know, it, we, we all love our families, right? And, yes. um, and we love our in-laws. We love everybody there, but it's kind of like, you know, you get to this time of year and it's the drive and it's the, okay, whose house are we going to be at? And I don't know, like I, I married an election family, conversation, so the election conversation, like all that kind of stuff. So on the one hand, it's like, it's like, well, we don't have to do that. But on the other hand, it's like, dang, we can't like be around people. <laughs> I yeah. can't remember the yeah. last person outside of my immediate uh, family circle that I actually saw in person. Like really interacted with? I yeah, saw or just nice. like seen him. I, I saw I've... our boy who's our dean of culture like a few weeks ago because you remember they were getting rid of all the furniture yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, all this stuff. So I stopped by. And, um, and I saw him in person and it was the weirdest thing in the world. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. This is like a live in the flesh human like, being hey. walking towards me. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do to be like, Oh my gosh. How do I react? <laughs> what yes. do I do? Hi, yeah. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, wish I could hug you. I can't, can't, can't hug you. Can't have high five you. Or I, I have a funny story about high fives in a little bit real quick, but before we get into that, Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Mike, the podcast. My name is 2021 Colorado Teacher of the oh. Year, Gerardo Munoz. I'm your boy, Kevin Adams. You know, I had to do it, man. I you was had talking to, to him. You I, have to remind the people. I texted one of my boys. I'm like, so at what point do I get to be petty enough to like hit up everything and everyone that ever turned me down for something? So I'm kind of like, year. TNTP, I'm after you. Teach for America, y'all turned me down back in the 90s. So, like, how's it feel? That was good, though. You didn't want to be part of that gang. This this, this is true. This is true. But I did kind of want a job and have my student loans. Yeah, yeah, you're like, that's what I wanted. (laughs) It's like, look, y'all are going to be cynical, so I'm going to be cynical. Anyway, uh, we are two dope teachers and a microphone. We are coming at you on a sunny um, but deceptively chilly Monday morning. and. it is thanks taking Thanksgiving break. We're gonna accept any of those kinds of things, and we're here to talk with you. We we have made it. Yes, we are here. Uh, it's been a minute since it's just been me and you sitting down, yeah. and chopping it up. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. it has been. It's almost like I almost introduced a guest that we don't have. <laughs> I was almost like, and with us today we have, oh wait, no, it's us. It's us. It's with us. us, we have us. Um, the people can't see this because uh, we have not made the move into uh, network primetime television yet, but Kev has a haircut and, and he <laughs> is clean. It's, clean. it's the biggest news in Park Hill history. What was it that precipitated um, this radical change in hairstyling for you? Um, it was just time. It was, it, was, it was time. It was too long. And here's the saddest thing for like just the, the, to let people know, you know, like um, I go to a black barbershop and go. most black barbershops, um, it's, a, it's a very long event. Uh, because they don't take reservations. It's like you walk in. But my barbershop, House of Hair, shout out to Sam. Shout out to House of Hair. Marcus and Brad, shout out, shout out. We love y'all. Uh, but uh, over there, they actually take appointments so I can make an appointment. It I mean, is that's, literally, probably, that's probably like a COVID thing, right? It's, it's kind of like No, listen. they've been oh, doing no? it. They started before COVID. Now oh, they've okay, really gotten okay. good about it, you know. But okay. like, it, it's, they hold it tight, you know. Yeah. And – and uh, it's like five minutes from the house. So, yep. of course, I haven't been there in like six months. You know, they <laughs> opened back in the summer. Yeah. And so I went then and got a haircut. Yep. And like, yeah, went on Thursday. So I need, I need, you, to, I need you to turn a couple of times so I can see his sides because it looks good. It looks And then, folks, you, you're not seeing this, but uh, Kev also has this wonderful, he's got his, his little mustache, he's got his little his little chin music going on there. Uh, dude is looking clean, which is not how I'm looking at all. I'm looking like, uh, how would you describe me at this point? You're, you, you know, you, you look good. You look good. You look like you got the, you got the little rough grow out. Like, no. <laughs> what do they call that? that? That was like the style, like seven it's like years this, ago, eight years it's ago. Like, it it's like, like, like the, the stubble. It's like the salt and pepper kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was like, I, on. The, I don't really care, bro, but I yeah. do care. My, my, my boy, my boy, Robert was, uh, was telling me that, um, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, envy should never be a part of a relationship of a friendship. Um, but he says this is one thing that he envies that, you know, when I grow it out, he says, I look like the most interesting man in the world. And he says, when he grows it out, he looks like he has mange. And so it's like, <laughs> but, but he's also this super distinguished uh, black dude who's got this like very nice goatee that's got just the right amount of flecks of gray in it like dude is mad dignified i don't know i don't so know you got, why he's you, you gotta like keep it. what you can you got that's that's you why i have this it's, <laughs> hey it looks it looks good um dude, as it turns out i have a great face for podcasting so we <laughs> have made it we've made it to the break y'all but more importantly you all have made it to the break you know, you might have crawled across the finish line. You might have had to have EMTs carry you across the finish line. You might have just decided to walk the rest of the way to the finish line. Um, but you got here, and uh, it, and it's an important kind of thing that you take this time to just rest and just not yeah. be a teacher for, for a few days. Am I right? Oh, it's such a nice feeling. Even though, like, we all know we got stuff we could probably do. There's some stuff I said I was going to do. You make teacher plans like during a week before break. You're like, okay, I'm going to do A, B, and C. I'm going yeah. to do this. And yeah. then like you get to that break and you're like, I ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> nah. nah. That's right. 
That's I dare right. you to email That's me. right. And, you know, there's a lot of teachers who feel guilty about this, right? How we get to, you know, we're like, oh, and because you, it's a conversation you always have when you come back where, you know, your colleagues will feel really badly. They'll be like, you know, I just want to get so much done, but I was just so tired and now I'm just really paying for it and all this. No, no. no. Like, d don't make apologies or excuses. Like, I'm going to say Going into the break, I, I was very excited about how productive I would be over break. I know I'm not going to be productive over break, partially because I have this cold. But I also know how good it feels to feel like you're about to be productive. <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. And if that gets you through, cool. Just don't feel bad on the other end of it. Like, when I think you're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm behind now. Uh, but we have, like, we have, we, we forget, like, the, the lessons of Marxism and the exploitation of workers as teachers. Like we're yeah. like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm working well beyond 40 hours. Why am I doing all this work? If I can't get it done in that 40 hours and you introduced me to that 40 hour teacher stuff that like, shout look, out Angela if, Watson. If it doesn't happen in that time, then, then I'll put it off and it'll come back and it's still yeah. going to be there and I'll do it when I can do it, man. I'm not going to spend all my life trying to like give every minute to this job when I, when I, and, and when I'm in it, I'm in it, you know? Yeah. But when I'm out, I'm out. I'm out. You gotta be I'm out. I mean, that, that, that's the important thing. Like, you know, and this is a conversation that we have with a lot of our, our friends and colleagues in the teaching profession that no matter how many hours you devote to this work, there will still be more, right? You could work. Let, let's just say you figure out a way to not take meals and not sleep. And, <laughs> you know, and maybe, and maybe you just decide that, you know, I mean, I could have a family or I could be a distinguished well, your teacher. Family, your, family, your family left you. I'm gonna, your family you, left you. You stopped eating and sleeping. Yeah. And, and so you're like, you know, my family's gone. So now I can just really dig in and be a distinguished teacher. You will still be behind because it's not sustainable, especially right now. So we're going um, to jump in. That reminds me of, of that Kanye West bit where um, I think it might be on his second record, late registration, where he's like, my dad got degrees. He got so many degrees. We lost our house to degrees. He had degrees on degrees. And what? And and when he died, he was like, "Here, here's my degrees." <laughs> oh man, Kanye. Kanye. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how I feel about you quoting Kanye West right now. Um, but <laughs> but I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you be there. Um, can I, okay, can I just tell the people something? I didn't realize this, but tell you know the how people that, something. that show, um, David Letterman, my next interview is. Oh, yeah, he's they, got that Muppet beard now. Yeah. Yeah, they, they interviewed, he interviewed Kanye. It was a fascinating interview. Fascinating. Was it, now? Was it now? Fascinating perspective. Like many of the interviews that Kanye does. Well, you can tell, <laughs> here's one thing that I know about Kanye is he believes in the stuff that he says like his from his perspective he believes it all like it's he's dedicated yeah no yeah i, I like um i i can't argue with that he's that, dedicated to his thoughts <laughs> i can't like, he even, believes it and i can't you know argue I mean? that well you know i mean this is what i tell my students you know when we're when we're um you know when we're talking about controversial figures and current issues uh, some who may be, you know, desperately clinging to elected office. 
Um, I, I just say, just remember y'all like 100% of what a person believes makes total sense to that person. That's right. Like, you know, it's just, it's just try to, you know, take a breath and be like, okay, this makes sense to you. That's <laughs> and, right. That's and right. let's just start from there, I suppose. Okay. I mean, I, you know, Le Letterman, <laughs> Letterman's always bothered me a little bit. Like it just, especially. You're not a Dave it. Letterman guy. I'm not a Dave Letterman guy. Um, I, I, I've always found his insistence on commenting on the physical appearance of his women guests. Was, it was just weird. It was just weird. always weird. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Like he, he never told James Franco that he had great legs, um, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know. Especially when he does, he should have. He did. I know. He, he, he <laughs> never told Harrison Ford how handsome he was. And Harrison no, Ford no. is a handsome man. Um, and, you know, so. so Good point. Dave, I never thought um, about this. Like, like, there are certain things I don't necessarily need to experience in life. And more David Letterman is probably one of those things. I'm Interviewing Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, you know, and here's the, here's the problem with being friends with you, though. The problem with being friends with you is that if anybody else makes a statement you just made to me, I'm like, oh, my dog, whatever. But like you say it, and I respect your intellect, and I respect you as a human being, and so now I might have to go and watch it because you said it. <laughs> oh, oh, don't go watch it. I fell asleep halfway <laughs> through like, it. You're like, I'm not saying watch it. In, in all transparency, it. <laughs> it did not keep my attention. <laughs> Man. Hey, but we you know, it was good. <laughs> it was good for going to sleep, you know, if you want to hear someone, like, drone on about something, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to you. Yeah. That sounds like my class, honestly. <laughs> So we are, um, we're hoping that we've held your attention at this point. We're going to talk about okay. a few, th there's some wild stuff going on in, uh, in public schooling in the Denver area these days. We're going to talk a little, little bit about this hazy future that we're facing uh, with COVID and a vaccine and all these kinds of things. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, changes in leadership and um, some of our various perspectives on leadership. We're going to talk a little bit about the uneasy tension of content in SEL. Um, and then BIPOC teachers, we're going to tell you, go get that money. We got a shmoney up. Shmoney alert. Shmoney alert. Shmoney alert. Shmoney alert. Time alert. to secure that bag. Time to Time secure to <laughs> that bag. Time to get this bread, y'all. Get this bread. This is a bread alert. Uh, bread alert bread, bread alert. alert bread alert um but first before we get into do that we want to let you know that um Tudo teachers is a teacher powered podcast that seeks to tell stories from the margins and to advocate for the preferably unheard the forcibly silenced yes we are the unicorns that you keep on hearing about um if you have show ideas you can get at us on social media you can email us at two teachers at gmail.com follow us at two dope teachers on instagram and twitter we are nearing seven thousand twitter followers um so twitter nation uh you know step up and uh you can also like us on facebook facebook.com slash two dope teachers and uh mike so here we are here we are so an announcement came um, that didn't seem super shocking to any of us. And that, that, I mean, to me, it wasn't even like news. Like, so we've been remote all along. And yes. now remote has been extended to... The, at least 20, January 2021. And I was thinking about it the other day. I mean, is there a future where you see us like as secondary teachers returning this year 
You know, this is a piece that I've been very uncomfortably reflecting on. Um, I, you know, so I, I've, I've done some interviews with folks of late and uh, one interview I did with Colorado Public Radio, they asked me, so if it's safe to come back and if, if the vaccine gets rolled out somehow efficiently to everybody, but it's only for a short amount of time, will that, would you come back? And I said, yes, you know, even if it like you and I've talked about this, even if it's for like a day, right. So that we can all just be around each other one last time, like, and just kind of be like, no, there's no teaching that's going to happen that day. Right? <laughs> I, I, we are going to, we are going to do a final benchmark of the year. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, oh, now we're here. We can do the test. Yeah. Oh, yo, we have all the tests. Okay. You guys, here's our oh, testing oh, schedule right, for our day back. All right. <laughs> I mean, kids what be like, I wish you would. Dude, it's gonna be like a party. It'll be like uh in the, the Ewok village after the in Endor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's gonna be like that. We're gonna be like ding, 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 ding. Yep, absolutely. Ewoks know how to party. You know, I I um the more this kind of goes on now we've just gotten others uh, breaking news that there's a fourth vaccine that has entered the ninety-five percent effective uh, you know, sort of benchmark in the in in the trial phase. And so, you know, so I, I think there are some promising signs. I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but man, it's hard for me to imagine any time before March. And that like, optimistically speaking, what do you That's, think? I mean, you know, like I, I'd see that as, as March, I just wonder about the distribution of this vaccine, right? right? And how, how will they handle it? And hopefully, you know, um, our new administration, oh, our, man. uh, president-elect, who's been working hard, even though there's obstacles in front of him to try to be ready to go on the COVID front. Yeah. You know, we hopefully they get the distribution right. It's a big test right off the bat. Yeah. Right? That, that is, like, just historically has so many uh problems especially considering the populations that are uh highly impacted right and right. who need the the vaccine you know there's a history of black people uh, uh black people have a reason to be a little kind of well uh, cautious right. right about these vaccines and things that they're like oh we've got you go ahead i'm like mm, let's see yeah. what, what what happens right yeah but we have we have to get it out right. We have to educate people. Um, we already have in this country some questionable ideas circulated about vaccines. So I don't know. Yeah, March, March, I could see us because in, in March too, we can be back outside. We can keep our windows open. Right. We can do a lot of stuff. Except in Colorado where you get that odd late March blizzard that shuts down school for three days. <laughs> oh, no, not, does it shut down school anymore? We just no, oh, that's right, because we're just going to do remote now, man. That's snow days. That's going to be um, that, man. That that's the worst move um, okay. by anyone. Okay, but, just oh, thinking oh. about this. If you were a kid back in the day, maybe you didn't have the most tech savvy parents. Would you go <laughs> unplug the internet? I'd be. I don't know. I'm working. I don't have internet, mom. Listen, I just can't get on. It's I can't get on, and I, I, it's 
See, and here, but I mean, my my own kid would be like, she would just walk in the room and be like, I'm not doing this today. Nope. <laughs> and nope. I'd be like, okay, nope. all right, you you got a 4.5 GPA. I'm not going to get mad at you. Like, <laughs> but no, kind of back to your original point that what, you know, what's sort of interesting about the vaccine rollout is, so on the one hand, when Pfizer, and you know, I think I, I feel, I feel a professional responsibility to say to our audience that neither Kevin Adams nor myself is a doctor or an epidemiologist or an expert in big pharma. We, 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 that's not our lane. Um, but, you know, we also think that if you just stay in your lane, you're going to be at the same pace at, at the entire drive. So, you know, that life comes from getting into different lanes. Am I right? That's right. That's right. He's like, Kevin's like, where are you going with this? Yes. Uh, so yes. Um, we're becoming doctors, apparently. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but so, you know, so, so there's all this excitement about Pfizer. And then, you know, we were sitting here and we happened to flip to uh, Democracy Now. Yeah. And Democracy Now is like, uh, so... I don't think it's as close as people realize, like think it is. Uh, I think that there's a lot of other things that haven't happened. And so it's just amazing where you see that there is this push in kind of mainstream media to kind of present the shiniest version of this. Um, yep. You know, now as, as more stuff has like come out, it's feeling safer and safer. But I was listening to our uh, podcast brothers from a couple of different mothers the other day, yes. uh, Hari and Kamal. I'm pretty sure yes. they know us. Yes. And the one thing, one thing the that the homies. homies, exactly, the big homies. Hey, shout out, Hari and Kamal. We know y'all listen. Um, so one thing that I thought was really interesting, they, they were talking to one of the national experts on COVID who's been doing yep. his work. Yep. And he's, he also pointed out that, yes, there's distrust within BIPOC communities of the medical system. But let's also remember that especially lately, there has been a really sustained campaign of uh, disinformation and misinformation around vaccines, yep. around the COVID vaccine, and that these communities that have been harmed historically in the past, I mean, they're, they're, they're buying it because it, it seems historically consistent. And yeah. you know, so, so on top of all of that, and not to say, you know, to say nothing of the people in my neighborhood that refuse to mask or like stop their in-home gatherings, yep. um, is this sustained propaganda campaign um, that is designed to scare people of color out of doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, you know, like I said, very interesting times. Um, I think there's clearly a need for education around it, a continued education around vaccine. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it's just so fascinating, though, how it all changes and how what you see when they put, like, corporate money, when corporate intentions get involved, right? And, and, and what does all of this mean? What is the big picture right. of all of this and how quick they were able to do it? You know, historically, they're yeah. like, oh, it'd be like 10 to 20 years to get a vaccine out distributed yeah. and, and, and made, you know, and they've done this stuff in less than a year. It's wild. Yep. It's yep. wild. So in terms of this hazy future, um, let's, let's offer some insights and maybe advice to teachers who m might be sitting here saying, how am I supposed to do this job effectively? How am I supposed to feel good about this job? Um, just if it's this continual holding pattern. Um, and that's not putting blame on anybody. Like there is no 
district leader that is causing us to have a global pandemic that makes things uncertain. But what kind of advice do you think we can offer to teachers who are mad struggling right now? Like you and I are both veteran enough to compartmentalize it and to be like, you know what? I'm not doing my best work right now um, because this is not the best forum in the yeah. world. The world is not in its best state right now either. And so I know that I can do X, Y, and Z. I know that I can't control X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. But what do we say folks might be struggling with this? You know, I, I would say, first of all, what's worked for me, like what would I do, right? I can't tell what other people should do, but if what I've done that's helped me in all of this is being willing to be flexible, to, to know that this is a growth game that I'm trying to get better. Um, yeah. That's one thing I've liked about having a, our four quarters system where yeah. we're switching classes. Like I know, like looking back on the first quarter, my two classes that I had then, I felt good about it at the time. But the, the second one, my sixth grade class, I'm doing things differently. I'm trying things differently. I'm figuring out how that time works because I, I think – you know, we could have made our schedule better because what I've decided in remote learning, asynchronous learning for, for kids is horrible, yeah. right? So you need to create asynchronous time within the space of a class, right? And so yeah. I wish we yeah. had longer classes where I could tell, be like, okay, work for by yourself on this, right? Now work in yeah. these breakout rooms with this, right? But I think learning to be flexible, um, trying new stuff, yeah. Getting feedback from the kids on what works and what they like and what they don't like, yep. um, you know, and, and being open to their ideas about how to do it. Um, that's a lot of stuff that's worked for me. Yeah. Um, and also knowing what you can control. I think there's teachers out here stressing out. We were talking about this in a phone conversation about people being really hard on themselves and yeah. holding themselves to like their own teacher created expectations, right? Right. Of like what I have to be doing professionally or what's going to happen. What is the, you know, uh, what, what's going to happen to the kids if I don't be the most amazing teacher right now, yep. Yep. we got to yep. accept that we, we probably never are the most amazing teacher to everybody. Nope. We're never, it's never a hundred percent perfect. That's we right. never hit everybody. Um, and just keep, you know, trying to do you and, and, and know to control the stuff you can control and the right. stuff you can't control. That's what's worked for yep. me. Yep. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think that, I think uncertainty calls for flexibility um, because there are just things that we now, at least now we know that at least until January, like we know what to expect and we know, you know, sort of what, what's coming up, right? As, yeah. as we kind of get into the month of January, um, which I'm not under any misgiving that we're going to be back in 2021, January, you know? So as we get into there, like I found that people's uns like kind of frustration and insecurity is as we sort of reach those benchmark dates, right? Yeah. So not a lot of people freaking out like five weeks ago, right? But as we get closer to a break, it's like, what's happening? What, what's going to happen? And then knowing that once we get back from the break, it's like three weeks and then we're, and then we have this winter break and then the uncertainty really starts to and, sort of pile well, you, up. You know, you start to get those emails, you get the surveys again, like we yeah. already started to get surveys and, 
and explaining the process and how it's changed for a, um, uh, a medical exemption to be able to teach from home. Uh, yep. They've taken off diabetes and asthma oh, okay. as preconditions, I saw, if you, if you aren't aware. Um, so teachers with, um, at least in DPS right now, that is, I think those are the two conditions that aren't considered um, oh, wow. valid for getting that exemption. And one of those is a literal respiratory condition. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm sure they're getting some science advice on this. But I sure. also think part of me, and this goes back to like, I'm like, March, you, like they're pushing for us to do all our observations and get those in online, get that system for an online remote education. Right. Like, you know, and so to me, that tells me they're anticipating, they're like, you probably ain't coming back. You, yeah. You, you know, for the most part, and you might come back at the end, which would be great because like those are some of the most fun days and we could be like, yeah, we got to go outside. Yeah. I know. I, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to have fun. Today. So bad. We're just going to go outside and we're not going to worry about anything else except getting getting air yeah i mean i think and it's interesting where you do have these different signals being sent through different channels so on the one hand you know i mean and you so courageously did that incredible pd on um hybrid teaching and and that kind of thing and like you know that was that was the thing that i think caused a lot of anxiety for a lot of people it's kind of like yeah. and, and then we didn't end up doing it and so th this is this is the part where like i think what folks, what I would recommend for teachers to do is to just really keep up yourself on, on what the experts are saying. Some really good podcasts out there, Podcast 19, which is put out by, um, by the 538 uh, folks, basically is a daily podcast that updates everything that's going on news-wise with COVID, uh, right? Lately, it's been around the vaccine um, and, you know, those kinds of things. And so, uh, so I think that's a really important thing to do because then when directives come from the district that, that you have other places to reference when you're trying to make sense of what's going on. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not mad at the district. I think it's difficult to plan education in a clear headed way when clearly the circumstances are not clear headed in any way, shape or form. Nope. Um, and the, the virus is the only thing that dictates what we can do in person, what we can't do in person. So I have, I have a lot of compassion in that way. And I just think it's important that we all stay educated ourselves as to what is, what information's out there, what's the latest, um, what's being, it's what, what are some of the examples from places where schools have successfully reopened? Um, I don't think there's any places like that in this country, um, but, but globally, about that. Haven't heard a lot about that here in the United States of America. In other countries, though, uh, New Zealand jumps to mind. Some of these countries that have, that have been able to um, mitigate the COVID exposure rate um, and mostly go back to, you know, kind of regular everyday stuff. They can do most of what they were doing pre-pandemic. And, yeah. you know, so there's a lot that I think is just really important. And for me, I would, I would echo exactly what you said getting that feedback from the students. Um, I have older students. I have 10th graders right now. Yep. Yes. So I can have conversations with them where it's like, yes, this is an advanced placement class and there's going to be an expectation that you do your best. But at the end of the day, you just have to set a goal. Like 
do you have the bandwidth? Do you have the capacity to get a five? And is that what you want? Because if you yeah. have that capacity and you have that desire, then there's things I can tell you to do. Um, but, and you'll maybe, the most important thing to you is to just be in an environment of really motivated people that help you look forward to being in class every day yeah. and feel like you're learning something. Now, I also encourage them to have that conversation with their parents because that is a that's uh, part of it. That's part that's of their a, deal. That's a steep exam fee. And, you yep. know, as, as a parent, I'd like to be consulted on how my exam fee is going to be addressed, you yep. know? Yes. But, yes. but I think at the end of the day, I, th I think it's a really important thing. And honestly, man, I kind of, I kind of wish I wasn't teaching AP right now because I find myself really tempted to say things I don't believe. Yeah. You're going to have to do a lot of work outside of class. Bruh, how? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, wait. Listen, no. if you want to be successful in this advanced placement class, like, just know that 10% of what you need for the test will happen now. The other 90% is on you. And that just feels, that feels immoral. That feels That's, unethical. Yeah, it feels, it feels really racist. Hard. It feels oppressive. And it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, why did I agree to continue teaching this class in a pandemic? And, you know, I love it. I love the students. I love the material. Yep, yep, love the yep. subject. But, you know, there's this part of it where I feel like, I'm just like, we're all just walking into this like hella unethical, inequitable situation. And so, um, and that's something I'm just going to have to accept and do my best with the students, you know, um, but that feedback piece is really important. And, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, you know, I'm right now I'm obsessed with Pear Deck. It's, I was late to the party, I'm Pear Deck, late to the Pear Deck but it's kind of nice because it's a way to actually see engagement in the moment. And so yeah. I can yeah. see what they're doing. Yeah. Also, not to flex, but we got Google Suite. We got yeah, Enterprise that's awesome. at that's our awesome. school. So I open up with a little goofy poll every day. It's like, hey, snow cone or ice cream, go. And Those are good ones. Starts a big fight and that kind of thing. But, you know, have fun with the students and know. I got to I got Ask email. them weird questions. Get them to Ask talk them really about weird, weird stuff. Definitely. Like um, especially if they're in middle school, they eat that up. And, you know, you just never know what a student is going to appreciate. I got an email from a seventh grader the other day, just thanking me for coming in in a positive mood and making her smile. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's it. what, if that's what's helping a kid get through part of their day, then, then I'm that's here the for feedback. Me. That's the feedback, you know, like that, that's it. That's the love that you're looking for. And, and that's what it's about. And I think even evaluations, observations, all this other stuff is going to happen. And hopefully, you know, um, I hopefully observers are enlightened and understand, you know, like uh, we've been talking with my ILT hat on and yeah. uh, about leap observations and what best practices should look like at our school, you know, and like the district's training, you know, bless their hearts. They emphasized still like really high level instructional moves, which I think are important, right? But the examples did not emphasize building relationships with kids. Yeah. It was not like highly engaging and fun, you yeah. know, um, it, it was, it was, or, or the, you know, actually, I'm sorry. The videos of the teachers, they were highly engaging. They were fun, but what they were being evaluated for in this training wasn't any of that stuff. Like that stuff was, was put to the back burner for other stuff, which I think you can't do. Like, yeah. I think at this point, that other stuff is worth so much more. Yeah. The energy, the, the way a teacher fills out a vibe, 
you know, and maybe you don't have time to check in and give the most complex feedback in a 45 minute lesson. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you know, the thing is that I was having this thought around just teaching in general, um, you know, most recently it was under, you know, and how we best serve our MLLs. Right. And, yeah. um, and the thing that kind of was astonishing to me was that there wasn't any direct statement to say, Hey, if you want your students to strengthen their language proficiency, get them interested in what you're teaching, like get them interested in something that's going to help them work on those skills and engage them culturally. And these are, these are pieces to me that, it, you know, are consistently left out of the conversation when we're talking about effective teaching within this environment. And so that's the thing that is just kind of blowing my mind. I'm, I'm going to suggest that we circle back to that. Because I think later on, I think we're going to talk a little bit about content and SEL, whether these are two things that can work together or whether this is just one of those intractable global conflicts that cannot be resolved um, by any number of UN summits or anything like that. We're going to talk a little bit, about, a little bit like that. But first, we're going to talk about a little bit about leadership. Um, we've had a change of leadership. That, that it, an announcement right the leadership is still the same for now oh that's right yeah but but uh pros transitioning transitioning yes that's always we're a nice not word. talking about that's that always transition. a nice word for someone quit <laughs> some no, fool got quit or a fool got fired i mean it's just like the, the nuggets are transitioning from life with jeremy grant to life without jeremy grant um oh, that was a rough one that was weird, bro. Like, I don't get that. Like, but you know, I'm not going to, this is a, this is a tangent. I'm not going to get mad at Jeremy. Jeremy gets to make his own decisions. He is a grown man who has lots of talent. He can do whatever he wants to do. I just don't totally understand how going to the Detroit Pistons um, is like better than being on a team that went to the Western Conference Finals and 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 played the Lakers really tough. Same amount of money too. I don't get it. It wasn't the money. It was. Like, I don't it doesn't get make it. sense to me. Doesn't it make never sense. Makes sense. I mean, if you want a bigger role on the Detroit Pistons, cool. Like, go go right ahead. Score your 15 points a game as y'all win 30 games. That, that'll be great. You know, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, so transitions. Um, we we were recently informed. Um, that the superintendent of Denver Public Schools will be leaving that post uh, to take a not so similar post in Dallas, Texas. What are your thoughts? <laughs> and that was the news. So, like, that was the news. It was the news. It came out on a Friday afternoon. Do you remember? I do. I suddenly got an email that was like. My phone started blowing up like it crazy. Did. I it managed did. the Twitter account, so you didn't get to see that like side of it. But man, our Twitter mentions were all over the place. We got people DMing us for a quote and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, you know. Yeah, and our... it went wild. It went wild. The phone yeah. did, didn't stop vibrating that afternoon. Nope. I was just like, oh my gosh. But because uh, my wife was out, she was doing something. She came back. And she was like, oh, my gosh, did you know? <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's the, that <laughs> is the T, sis. Yeah, uh, but, that was the T. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was disheartening because I was like, Susanna is, has been really, I think, important, I think, in our district as a leader. You right. know, being a, 
a Latina who grew up in the city, yep. you know, who taught in these schools, went through it. like you know, most of the jobs that you can do as an employee. Of she's done it schools. all. Yeah. Yep. Except like clean the buildings, which yep. she probably did that because she was a principal. We know principals right. be doing all sorts of wild stuff. But you're like, well, that's part of the principal. <laughs> some, of them, like, some of them. Some, some of them. Some of them. Some of the real ones. The real ones. <laughs> the real ones but, uh, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was shocking. And, and I felt like she had really implemented some policies and, and signed on to, ec- committed to equity publicly, yeah. Yeah. you know, in a variety of ways. And I might disagree about like how it was implemented, right? right. And the approaches. Um, but I think she was, and she, I think when it came to the COVID thing, I think she was responsive to teachers, to yeah. communities. You know, she always never shied away from the fact that this disproportionately impacts BIPOC students and teachers right? Um, more than it's going to impact white teachers in a district yep. that's majority white, right? And just acknowledging that and supporting parents and the choices um, that they needed, you know. But, um, you know, with anything like this, you immediately start to ask questions about why, right? right? Because that's... As you pointed out, not a very similar job, you know, deputy superintendent versus superintendent. And um, you're just curious as to why it totally happened that way. And uh, what was the really breaking point? And I've read some things that suggest, you know, it related to the school board and the relationship that she had. That's been a really interesting thread to follow with the school board, because I feel like uh, you know, I feel like the school board is um, really, it, it's it's giving the appearance to me, at least on social media, that they would like to have this both ways. That yep. they would like to say that they did not push Superintendent Susana Cordova out, but they would also like us to know that there are some critical aspects of the evaluation that, you know, that people should reflect on. And at least one school board member has stated unequivocally, well, we didn't appoint this person. This was the previous board. So I've, I've be, I'm a little unsettled by like, by how quickly there was this kind of pivot from we're committed to supporting our superintendent going forward to we didn't pick her. We didn't pick her, but we didn't push her out either. So that, yeah. that's been a little bit uh, troubling to me. And, you know, a Susana is a person. And, you know, if you're a new listener to this podcast, then before you kind of jump to conclusions about me and Kevin start calling us district shills and all that kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. 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 you yeah. do need to know that we have a lengthy relationship with this leader. Um, yeah. I have been privileged enough to teach both of her children um, in oh, my God. classes, uh, two fantastic yeah, two fantastic young people um, who brought wonderful things to our classes. And um, and Susana has done things to be really supportive of my career growth um, in, in She's ways. She's the reason why you're teaching them AP classes. I mean, that's right. That's right. And, <laughs> you, and, know. and you know, so there's a relationship Because there. she had the vision of equity even back then, right? It's yeah. not just something that she, she knows the importance yep. of having male teachers of color yeah we're talking like a decade ago before yeah before it was trendy and before she was even in the conversation for the ne- the incoming superintendent you know i mean and so you know so i i think that it is kind of interesting and you know i'm kind of i'm kind of applying the same mindset to like and, and but on you know on the other hand right 
you and I were very much um, on a different side of the strike from where Susanna was, right? So yep. she was in a yep. position, you know, the superintendent's position. You and I are literally leading rallies. <laughs> and so, you know, so we were not on the people, same people, side of yeah, a lot of things. I, I, having some chants and signs and I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna repeat that, and I'm not gonna say it into the mic. But y'all, y'all say what you're gonna yep. say. You say what you say. It's fine. Say, it's fine. We yeah. can. We can. We can make the crowd hype without, you know, without hating. Um. So I mean, you know, so so we have we we have that. You know, it's it's your typical complex professional relationship with your supervisor, right? And but I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna take the Jeremy Grant perspective on this. She's a woman of color who has dedicated her entire life to education. We don't agree on all of the ways in which she's dedicated her life to education, but you know what? She gets to do whatever she wants. I rock with her. She, she gets to do whatever she wants. And there are some important questions being posed, you know, through some people that I respect on social media as to whether we gave a woman of color the same benefit of the doubt that we gave her white male predecessors. I think that's a really important question to ask. I don't have the answer to it. I don't have a strong opinion on that. I just think it's an important question to ask. Yep. Yep. No, I think, I think that's a, always an important question to ask. Most definitely. But, you know, I mean, we wish her well, but we also wish ourselves well. <laughs> and we hope that, um, you know, we hope that we're able to, you know, and so this is kind of the place where the Board of Education um, has very much inserted itself into the public sphere over the last couple of years. And uh, this is their opportunity to uh, truly serve the communities. If this was not the candidate they would have picked, I'm interested to see which candidate they would pick. And, um, and maybe it has a different tenor going forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we can hope. That's, That's right. what we can hope. But you know, like all of this, all of this leadership changes, right? Transitions, you know, uh, we, we are having a unique experience getting to know a leader, watch it, watch it happen in transition, right? Our assumed power, right? A new leader in our building. That's right. And, and as we watch, you know, um, I think, in my personal opinion, one of the worst leaders, uh, regretfully, uh, like, uh, as, as Chris Christie noted, embarrassingly try to fight to, to <laughs> hold on and steal an election, literally steal an election by being like, they stole the election. So just, hey, they stole the election. And by, so steal, just, by steal, I mean one. <laughs> they stole it. So just, just let us be, you know, but all of this stuff makes me think about leadership. And can, can I just say something about that real quick? Go ahead. So the, the rough translation podcast, and I, I don't make it a habit to promote like big por corporate podcasts. I think podcasting should be for the people, uh, but rough, rough translation from uh, NPR had this amazing episode, 25 responses to the US presidential election from 25 different countries, right? And so they had their, they had their um, correspondents who are connected to certain parts of the world talk about, well, how, here's, here's a sampling of how this part of the world is responding. So they're in Kenya, right? Yes. And there's this Nigerian shopkeeper in Kenya that they asked him, what do you think about this? And he just falls out laughing. He's like, <laughs> he's like <laughs> Mr. Donald Trump, you know, if you're going to try to steal an election, this isn't how you do it. 
ask one of our leaders in Nigeria. Like, they'll show you the right way to do it. You're not even doing this right. You're saying all this stuff for everybody, and nobody's listening to you. Oh, Mr. Donald Trump, it was it was golden. It was just amazing because, you know, it kind of captures the, you know, the kind of, I don't know, the kind of, like, we've been through this. All we can do is laugh about it because these people are so corrupt, you know, from that type of experience where he's just laughing. He's like, man, you don't know anything about corruption, bro. Like where I come from, where I come from, my leaders could teach you something about. If you're going to steal an election, this is how you do it. Listen, listen, like I know in people where I'm from have all kinds of experience stealing an election, Mr. Mr. Donald Trump, like. Come check it out. Anyway, so but that's not what we were talking about. Um, but 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 I mean, it's it's this example though. Like I think it goes back to leadership, right? So this question of like how important is good leadership, and you know, it makes me think about like an education with Susanna leaving, you know, and 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 the the superintendent's kind of like the president as a teacher, right? Yeah. They don't yeah. they don't have. I don't feel a lot of impact. Right. on my day-to-day job that's right. based on but like i know that they're making decisions that does have like an impact overall and like yep the and maybe eventually and the those decisions the impact of those decisions will trickle into your classroom and that kind of thing but yeah for the yeah. for the most part like what they do is way down there in central office and what we do is right here with the people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so like I, I tend to think about when i think about leadership in the school i think about like leadership like uh the principal right and the admin team and it just got me thinking like what's the connection like what do you think about the relationship between like the examples of leadership we've seen from uh uh from what's his name the the guy who's there right now um uh in the pres in the presidency the, who's reluctantly hanging on to his presidency. I can't, I, yeah, I know who you're referring to. I can't think of the that, guy's That name. orange um, guy. I'm uh, sorry. I'm not supposed to mention his color. He's got um, – yeah, why does everything have to be about color? Um, <laughs> but that guy – but, like, thinking about principles. You know that though, dude with the hair? You know, yeah. Like, have you had – have you ever – like, when we think about, like, principal experiences, I think about, like, different types of people. And, and I've had, at times, some some – some very good leadership, really impactful. And then at times there's like been some questionable moments. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Like, I've, had, I've had leaders who've said like wild stuff in meetings, like wild stuff, thinking they could play, right? Thinking they were like, oh, I can say this because, you know, Ooh. I have black friends. Ooh. And so like, no. like for instance, like, like a leader um, who may or may not still be in the district saying, Oh, uh -oh. there's Adams. He comes in late. He's on CP time. <laughs> oh, wow. I, you told me about this, and I was like, Lord. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and obviously we don't do it. We, we haven't been syndicated on network TV yet, so you can't see me with my jaw dropping open, uh, our audience. <laughs> That's a, so how did you respond to that? That is bizarre. You're just like, I'm like, and I look around the room, right? Because it's professional development. I was looking at everybody in there. They're like, oh, no. Like, and it was younger. <laughs> it was, my first, it was you know, earlier in my career. So, like, I was just like, that's, that's dumb, you know? Like, I'm like, that's dumb. Going back, I should have been like, 
do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Time, right? It should have I mean, that's, there's, you can do so much just by playing dumb, by just saying, I, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with, what did you say? I don't know. Can, time? You, can you explain what can that you, means? What's, I'm not familiar with that See, that's term. What I'm sorry. Done. That's what I should have done. Can you explain that a little bit? And then the more they're like, well, you know, it's like in the, you know, in the old, late. Uh, you know? I, well, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Know. Um, I I'm not. Know. I'm not familiar with any of that. No, I mean but that as like, a thing. It was like a Michael Scott moment, right? Yeah. A Michael Scott moment. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's what I'll say to this prompt. One hundred percent of the principles I've worked for, and I think I've worked for like 12 or 13 principles yes. in 22 yes. years, yes. have had their hearts in the right place. Like I've never worked for a principal that was honestly like corrupt and trying to do, do the wrong thing. And so, I, so I'm going to say that to start. I'd agree I will with that. Talk, I will talk about an assistant principal that, <laughs> um, that I knew once. And um, so this individual had a very negative reaction or reaction relationship with a security guard in my school. Right. Yes. And so, and this security guard, um, you know, it's kind of rough around the edges, you know, the, the kind of, you know, you can kind of debate as to whether this is how we want to maintain things. Uh, but yes. this individual was married to a police officer. Um, this individual had been in the military yes. and this individual could be pretty, pretty um, intimidating to young people who were wilding out. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, but overall, I feel like this individual had a good relationship with students and, yeah. you yeah. know, don't, don't add us. This is a real person who I really do believe was doing good work most of the time. So it was alleged that this individual had really aggressively physically restrained a student during a fight and caused that yeah. student to have an injury. Yeah. I'd heard about this. I didn't witness it. Um, anything like that. So the assistant principal approaches me and says, so-and-so did this thing to a student. I was like, Oh wow, that's wild. And, um, and they asked me, does that sound in character to you? I said, I don't know what you mean by in character. I know that everybody in this building has had to break up a fight at various times. And so it's yep. just hard to say, you know, all that kind of stuff. So this assistant principal left it for a little bit and then came back the next day and said, do you remember what I told you about yesterday? And I said, about what? Because I'm a big fan of, I'm going to make you say it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah, make you yeah, say it yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, Oh, like when you like, yeah. Like when Joe Smith broke that kid's arm. Right. So now I've made a statement yeah, about yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah, I've yeah. not witnessed. Right. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, well, I don't know what you mean. And this assistant principal was like, well, the thing I told you about the security officer and the da 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 da. I was like, Oh, I remember how you told me about that. Yeah. And this person's like, can you sign this statement that it happened? You're like, no. And I said, well, I didn't witness it. Well, but I, but I described it to you and, you know, and so could you sign this statement? And I was like, that's, I don't think that's how a statement works. And then this individual went on to try to incentivize me to sign this statement by suggesting to me that my evaluations would be really good going forward. You and like, I was like, shady. You like I, would, Where's the I was like, Where's the and, I, and I, rem <laughs> I remember saying to myself, Man, my evaluations are going to be good going forward, no matter what. Like, I don't, and I was like, I wasn't that veteran of a teacher, um, yeah. but I also wasn't new. <laughs> and so, but like, and I remember 
I remember sharing that story with my wife and I was like, I like you hear about this stuff, but I cannot believe. And so you asked about like less than intelligent things that leaders have done. That was not very intelligent because for me, I was kind of like, have you ever, have you ever listened to any of these horror stories from teachers about leaders? Like literally you were doing one, literally you're doing one. Um, and that person never looked at me the same way ever again. Ever. And it was wild. It was that, that, so that was probably the wildest thing I've ever had happen at the, at the hands of a leader. And I was just kind of like, this is amazing. See, me. I've never seen anything like that. That's, that's, that's a wild one. You know, so um, I've, had, I've had like leaders be like, and, and never directed towards me, but talking trash about other teachers, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and wanting to drive teachers out, you know, and creating that kind of negative community um, yeah. where it's like, I'm like, I, I don't know. Why, why would you try to, 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 to throw salt in somebody else's game? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a regional leader that came into our building at one point and made a pointed comment about how the teachers in this building all need to be learning from you. I'm like, how is that supposed to be a compliment to me? Like, can I tell you how much I've learned from the teachers in this building? Like, there, there are at least a dozen teachers who have a lot to teach me in this building. Like, what, what are you thinking? Like, it's, it's, it's just so weird to me. It's so it weird is. to me. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, you, you kind of hinted at our current experiences with new leadership and, you know, I think I'll start just by saying that I think before this year, you know, I, I had seen, like I said, I, I have respect for any person yep. who steps into a school leadership role, um, no matter the circumstances, right? Like, I think that it's a hard job. I think teachers are a very difficult crowd to please. Um, we're, we're impossible. And um, like, so I know that it's really hard work. Um, but I will say that what happened coming into this year, um, I was just feeling really cynical, right? I had started to really believe that, you know what? The system is going to perpetuate what the system wants to see. And so even the really skilled and talented and empathetic, you know, and intelligent leaders that get it eventually are going to be just worn down to stumps because there's just this system that is impossible to, um, to combat. And also the feeling that new principles, man, and I'm witnessing him and we get these stories all the time from people, you know, that's one of the things about having such a big, uh, podcast following, we hear the stories of um, of school leaders doing things, um, especially if it's like a new principal that is really wanting to, I just want to get through this year. I want, if I, yep. if I do, if I do what the district tells me to do, then, then yep. I'll have goodwill and then I can do good things for my teeth, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And, and so then what ends up happening is the doing for the district doesn't actually end. And the doing for your staff and for your community doesn't ever begin. So I, all of that is just to frame my cynicism that I was feeling going into this year. We have an entirely new administration team at our building. We have some folks who have been admins in other places. 
Uh, we yep. have a nice combination, you know, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. We have a nice combination of experienced instructional leadership people and new voices in instructional yep. leadership. It's yep. a wonderful combination. But I was really skeptical. I was like, I don't know, like, just like you said, the work of the superintendent bar barely affects what I do as a teacher. The work of the principal barely affects what I do as a teacher. Yep. Until this year. Until this year. <laughs> And I can't, I can't put my finger on it. Honestly, man, I can't put my finger on it because great leadership is one of those things you can't put a finger on. Um, every great principal I've ever had was great for a different reason. Yep, yep. And, um, and any talent of any of those great principles grafted onto another principle would be weird, right? Yeah. Yep, um, yep. It'd be out of character. Um, but having a leadership team that, that talks the talk and walks the walk around things like equity and disruption of oppressive systems. It's just diff It hits different, man. It, hits it just different. hits different. It does hit different. What, that, what about that, you? What's the, your experience? That's a perfect man? way to describe it. Yeah, no, it's the same way, you know, and, and knowing that some of the <laughs> things that I prioritize in my classroom, I, they're like, that's what you should be prioritizing. Right. And, and not having to fight and argue about like why I'm doing this this way for students instead of, you know, this other way. Or why why would you give them all this time or why are you breaking it up that way? You know, it's like, no, they get it. It's like, how do we make things more manageable for kids? Um, and then also like, um, you know, having somebody who is a woman of color. And I'm trying to think like, I've only had, uh, you know, a couple of APs that were uh, women of color um, and a couple of men, I think maybe one, one or two, maybe yeah. men of color. Uh, yeah, two, two, right? It, it, it just, like you said, it hits different. There's a different perspective. The conversations that we're having are a little different. It feels different, like, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's important. But then also you see other backlash against, you know, leaders of color. And we've seen yeah. that this year, too, which I wonder sure. about, you know, and, and it goes back to Susanna. It goes back to Kamala Harris, all of that. Right. Um, so, like, like, you just wonder how, do, how does it play off in that, that it wanes on you and it grinds you down. And, and it's like, can you can you push and it goes back to like what Asia was talking about, about the racial battle fatigue. Right. You know, like that. And, and, and so like, I don't know, like I just thought about all this when it came to Susanna's letter. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I can't help but think of our, our current principal and what she's going through and what she's trying to accomplish. And just thinking about like the fights that I've had to have just as a yeah. teacher, you know, yeah. to do the things that I, but to say yep. in a whole school community, this is what we're going for. This is our priority. Right. Right. It's yeah. hard. And, and, and without like, without spilling a whole bunch of tea, right. Cause that's, that's not what we do here. That's not, no, it, it is one of those. Go to the shade room for that. Where, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have the shade podcast. Dude, oh, shade. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that the, the, like everyone's not going to have the same experience under, under a new leader. Um, but, but I, I will echo exactly what you say, um, which is that 
certain things that I that I've said in the past that just felt really out of place given what the overall leadership attitude was don't feel out of place right now. Like, like I actually feel like our community colors are seen communities of color are seen right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, that our, our current leadership is, is doing everything it can to, to raise those voices and, and to, you know, and to really do the things that we say we're about. You know, so I so I find it to be pretty interesting. I, you know, the the big thing is, like, it's just been a few months. So how do we, how how do we, and how do other teachers who are kind of in the same situation, foster a um, something new? Like this is something kind of new. So I've I I was reading um, Team of Rivals for a while. You know, this is about the Lincoln administration yep, yep. and all that kind of stuff. And in Team of Rivals, what Lincoln did is he essentially assembled a whole group of people who didn't like each other to um, to kind of keep each other honest and accountable. And for a really long time, I was like, that's the leadership model. That's how this needs to look. Um, you know, but this is giving me something different. This, this is giving me a perspective that, no, we don't actually have to be disagreeable to move each other forward and to... Um, and to work as a team. And, and, and I have to say that part of that comes from having a leadership team an administrative leadership team that is exclusively women and yep. majority women of color. Um, and so, um, and so I think, I, I think it is different. And I think that, you know, what I'm hoping, what I'm seeing from my perspective and my, my perspective is probably narrow. It's from my own experience and yep, I'm yep. not in the building right now. So I have no way of knowing exactly how other people are feeling. Yep. But from my perspective, it seems like um, great new leaders, they attempt to, 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 they see everybody in the building as a puzzle piece, right? Yep. So we have yep. this great, we have this big picture of what we can create and these are the pieces and every single piece is here for a reason. So you don't get a jigsaw puzzle and have 12 pieces left over that don't actually right. have any place. In That's that right. Puzzle, That's right? right. And if any of those pieces is missing, the puzzle looks the weird. The puzzle doesn't work. <clears throat> it doesn't work. And so what, what I'm kind of observing and what I'm hoping is taking place is that every single person has a spot here. Right. And yep. I guess that goes back to, you know, previous administrators that have had that one of the failings that they had was that they thought they could pick and choose their team. They yep. thought they could come in and say, I'm going to spend this year deciding who's good and who's trash. And then I'm going right. to persuade the trash teachers to leave. To leave. Make and then I'm going to try to keep the good teachers to stay. And, you know, um, and that's just not realistic. It's not, this isn't the NBA. You're not the LA Lakers. You can't just pick and choose like from all of the all-stars that are out there that are established. Like you got people who are in your building because they want to be in your building. That's right. And so how do you find a way to build a team in that way? And, and that's what it feels like from my perspective. Now, maybe someone else in our building will look at it differently and say, yeah, but you didn't have this interaction. And I'm, I'm fully willing to concede that maybe I'm not right yep. about certain yep. things, but I will also I will also say that as a teacher of color in a profession that is not full of teachers of color, I don't. This is one of the first times I actually feel like I belong in an environment. I love that. I love what you said too about the pieces of the puzzle. Like 
like you come into a community and you have those pieces, right? There's there, it's there. And it might not always make sense. And I can think right. back to when I joined DCIS, like it did some things were like, that's weird. That's, that's, that's <laughs> odd. That's different. Oh, this, but then you're like, oh, but this person has this role in this community. Right. And right. so like, it really goes back to family right that that the school is a real family community kind of is <laughs> and, and 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 like just like my family you know as we think about this uh thanks taking week thanks taking back week. and That's those right. conversations right but everyone and that when they come together has a role right everybody is you know there's this type there's that type there's this type right and i think that real strong leaders recognize that there's pieces there that were essential. You might not even understand. You're especially that puzzle piece. You're like, I don't know where this piece goes. I mean, we, got, we don't. It's got in our family, every color. In our family, I don't, right. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we have any stop the steal pieces in my family. So, like, you know, I don't know what I would do if I found that piece. Honestly, I'd be like, maybe this is just this puzzle's defective. <laughs> this piece doesn't belong here. Um, could you send me a new puzzle? Like, <laughs> Wait, if you're looking around and you can't find that piece. That means you might be that piece. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And that can be a good thing too. If you're kind of like, this piece is missing. Maybe it's a me shaped piece. That's like, right. That's so right. Weird. This is like, this is like our book. <laughs> this is our book. It's like, that's right. Puzzle pieces. Puzzle pieces. School, putting the puzzle together. School that's right. leadership, two dope style. Yo, that's, hey, that's copyrighted y'all. Don't steal it. Don't steal Don't that. Don't steal it. Don't I'll steal it. Y'all thieving people but yeah no i mean that's it that's that's i think that's good leadership recognizing the piece you know the pieces that you have you aren't the yeah. la lakers you can't pick all the all-stars but yeah. i i will tell you i i know that the pieces here are capable and they've been yeah. here for a reason right yeah some of yeah. those pieces yeah. for a long time yeah for a reason yeah well and i think what you shared with me and what other um, people in leadership have shared with me is that 100% of people are trying. And that's all you can do is just try like this is hard. And, you know, we hope that trust can be established as we go through, you know, something that's going to be like a mandated, um, you know, evaluation system. But I mean, that's where that's where trust is really tested. And when it yeah. comes down to evaluation, what is it that you're going to do that could impact my long term prospects in this work? I think that's where I think that's the challenge that awaits you, my friend, and yep. other leaders. Like, how do we maintain a strong sense of trust um, and and create an environment where people feel inspired to do their best, not held accountable, but yeah. inspired to inspired. be the best they can be That's right. That's and right. to find their place in the puzzle. Hey y'all, we've, uh, we've had fun talking with you today. Kev, it's so great not having like the third wheel and we mean you can just have some, some head on Kev time. Yes. Okay. Some head on Kev time. This is our quality time. It's good for our relationship. It is good. It's it really good, good for our relationship. We get that time. That's just me and you and uh, we can chop things up. Hey, real quick, before we go, um, I've been trying to fight with the National Council of Teachers of English um, on Twitter. Um, they are accepting proposals for an anti-racism and equity summit. Uh, the deadline is January 13th. And let's just say that many of these national organizations that say they want uh, BIPOC voices to, to present and yes. to share and all that kind of stuff, let's just say they don't really go out of their way 
to ensure that that happens. They're like, well, we we put out the proposal, and you know, um, you know, there there are other things I could kind of reference here, but we're already going long. But it's when we put out the the call for proposals, we we could just go from the proposals that we received. So here's what we're gonna do, folks. If you think that what you do in your classroom is I make a proposal. That's it. Make a proposal. Because I think the problem, I was just texting with my friend Robert about this. Um, the problem with us as BIPOC educators is that we're so dedicated to the work and we lead so hard with our hearts that we don't think that anything that we do is exceptional. Like That's when right. they're like, Kevin, you are so good at connecting the standards to relatable content. And then Kevin's like, well, yeah, that's just what good teachers do, right? So we need to lean into this. If you think that you are good enough at what you do, send in a proposal. The deadline right. is January 13th. We need to ensure that when we're talking about anti-racism and equity, that not only are, are we at the table, but we are also serving the meal. All right. That's right. Like this needs to come out of our intellectual traditions. And so um, right. let's apply. Let's make sure that they choose nothing but us because we know that a lot of these white teachers aren't going to not submit. They and they always do. And a few, and we have some wonderful people who will actually try to amplify educators of color. Um, but we know for the most part, we're going to have to get our foot in the door. We're going to have to get ourselves in there. So find all of the conferences, put proposals in for all of them, and you'll be surprised at uh, what the result would be. Wouldn't you agree, Kev? Right. I agree. Right. I agree. Right. I think it's important. Let's get out. Like, we do special stuff. They, That's right. They might not always recognize it, but, but, but hey. And, and, and they need to hear it. So you got to get it someplace. So it might as well be from us, for might us, as by well. us. Fubu. For us, by us. That's right. And you know what? If, if, the, if the NCTE doesn't um, you know, respond to teachers of color, there's enough of us. We start our own thing. Um, start our own start our own thing. Hey, I uh, want to give a couple of quick shout outs and then uh, we will draw this thing to a close. Uh, we have a couple of folks who have made um, production of this podcast possible these next couple of months. So we just want to thank you to uh, listeners, Kelsey, listener, Ellie, listener, Haley for uh, dropping some ends to us, giving us a little bit of, we appreciate of, it. A little we bit of squirrel so we can keep we on doing this work coming for you. That's right. And if you if you're interested in uh, in sponsoring episodes, hit us up. We are here, and we um, you know podcasting isn't free. Uh, it it takes um, takes all of us, and uh, we really we really love bringing you the content um, that you have shown that you've enjoyed. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star rating and review. That helps more people find the content and get connected to this wonderful thing that we call the two dope nation that's where it is so it is so y'all be kind to yourselves this week like if work creeps in be like i'm not thinking about work right now that's it's right. gonna be okay i'm going to put my feet up i'm gonna drink an extra cup of coffee i'm going to watch the snow come down tonight or tomorrow morning i'm gonna stay warm i'm gonna stay with my with my covid pod um and i will zoom with the people i love and I'll drop that friendly email, tweet, um, Instagram message, Facebook, Facebook message to somebody I'm thinking of right now. Uh, be good to yourselves. Give yourselves grace. Yeah. Show up. That's my grandfather. That's right. For the eminent and talented Kevin Adams, my name is Gerardo Munoz, and we invite you as we give gratitude 
for the opportunity to continue to fight for equity and justice as we give gratitude for being around our loved ones and as we give gratitude for the fact that no matter how many times we get knocked down, we always jump back up. We invite you to stay optimistic, stay positive, stay loving, but above and beyond, everybody just stay. Don't. Don't.